This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Salary, the show that never, ever, ever tires of watching an Arsenal meltdown. There really is nothing in football quite like beating those specialists in failure, Arsenal Football Club. If only for the complete meltdown by their nerdy fans afterwards. They now haven't even managed to score a goal against Chelsea in over nine and a half hours of football. That's six matches. Add to that, we've beaten them twice in our worst season for 30 years. Let's hope we've terminally damaged their title chances. That would be sweet and some compensation for our trauma this season. I am Stamford Chidge and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast. Costa makes the lattes froth. Lovely. Now, uh, I have with me, it's a bit of a weird show tonight for many reasons, and you're, I, will, I, will, I will explain this all in a minute. But first of all, let me introduce who we've got. We've got the lovely Jonathan King. Hello. How are you, my I'm friend? Very good, thank you very much. <laughs> lovely, good to yeah. hear you. Uh, we've also got the lovely Dan Silva. Good evening, mate. Hey, Dave. I'm very well. Yeah, How very are you? Good. So am I. So am I. Lovely, good stuff. And I've also got, last by no means least, I've got the legendary Chelsea journalist Dan Levine and all of the people in the Weatherspoons pub in Victoria. Yay! It's, Dan. it's an honour. Yeah, well, who, who for us or for the people in Weatherspoons? Oh, I think definitely for the people in Weatherspoons. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's quite spe- I don't think anything special has ever happened in Weatherspoons in Victoria before. Yeah, I have to be honest, Dan, you're not sounding too great, which has nothing to do with you. I think it's more to do with the, the Wi-Fi in the pub, but there we go. Onwards and upwards. Right, on the show tonight, we will be discussing why Arsenal are officially Chelsea's bitches and why their fans have ruined football. In part two, we'll be praising Costa and Fabregas and asking if they are well and truly back. 
And will this win and performance against Arsenal lead to a, cha- a charge even up the table, or was it just that Arsenal are so pitiful? In part three, we'll be having a chat about the transfer rumour, or the transfer rumour even, circulating on a daily basis around Chelsea, and we'll be asking who must go, who might go, and who should stay at Chelsea in the summer. Uh, and to wrap up, of course, in part four, we'll have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporters news, plus an absolutely stonking email from a young lad in, um, in uh, I think he's from Philadelphia, actually. We've already got uh, a, Mr. a Mixler person. Mr. Wilson's in the house. Lovely to see Gary, who says, oh, Fabregas is magic and Chidge will sing this song. Well, you never know. I might do. I'll think about it. We've got Debs in the house, too. We've got Matt Jazz, Dazza. They're all coming in thick and fast. It's all good. Now, uh, talking of Mixler, don't forget, people who listen to this as a podcast, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is Mixler, M-I-X-L-R.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can also tweet at Chelsea fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else. On Chelsea, of course. Now, the more observant uh, among you may have noticed that we sound slightly different this week. Uh, well, that is because the Chelsea fancast has gone virtual. Uh, by which I mean, sadly, uh, because of the work commitments that I've got for the next six months, I can no longer be in London during the week. So we've had to resort to Skype to do the show. Now, the good news is that it, apparently it still works on Mixler because I tested it out yesterday. So we can do the show live. Uh, and yes, I am very well, well, very good, Jonathan. I don't have a stereo mic, so I'm coming in. I'm coming in your left ear, as the as the bishop said to matron. the actress. matron. Ooh, matron. Uh, yeah, so we're on Skype doing the show. The good news is that we know it works on Mixler. We can do it live. The downside, of course, as you may be finding out, is the sound quality for both this and the podcast might be shit. Uh, but I can't help that. I mean, basically, it's either do it like this or no podcast for the rest of the season. So. I think if you put it like that, you'll understand. Now, another bonus, of course, um, is that I might actually be able to respond to some of your questions on Mixler during the show uh, a bit better than I've done in the past because I've actually got the computer in front of me and nothing to distract me. Uh, so keep posting, people. It's lovely to hear, actually, already that uh, people are saying that I'm coming through loud. Which are is you coming good. through clear, um, though, Chidge? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. I'm coming through loud and clear, yeah. I think, is probably what they meant. Uh, so, yes, uh, you sound a lot better and we can understand you, says Gary. Which than is usual. Uh, sorry, Jonathan, than usual. Uh, yes, yeah, something like that. Uh, Brighton Mike says, are you in a pub? Uh, sadly, the only one of us that is in a pub is Dan Levine. Isn't that right, Dan Levine? I'm in the pub. Yeah, lovely stuff. All right, now, before uh, further ado, we are going to uh, play you a little sting. I'm, I'll tell you about this sting. Uh, the cheer that you will hear for this thing was actually recorded from when we when John Terry scored against Spurs in the Capital One Cup last year you will love this and then we'll talk about the Arsenal game We're back. Um, 
and uh, it's time to talk about a lovely, wonderful experience uh, on Sunday. No, there's nothing, there's, as I said in the, in the, in the, in the build-up, there's nothing like quite beating the arse. Now, what I really want to talk about uh, in this here part, really, is I can, I, can, I can headline this simply by saying, same old Chelsea taking the piss. What do you think, Mr Silver, because you were there? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was just a brilliant, brilliant away day. Fans were fantastic in great form. As normal, Arsenal moaning, looking for excuses... It was just a, it was a very, very good performance. You know, a, lot, a lot of the, the media kind of shied away from how good Chelsea actually were and focused on you know, Arsenal's inadequacies. But I think it was, it, was, it was a really impressive, good professional 1-0. So I'm very happy. I'm good, glad to hear that. Now I know, I know, Mr. Levine is is is, is quite. He likes he likes his stats, uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, the, the the triple of stats. But here's a few stats for you, Mr. Levine. Uh, Chelsea since 2004 have beaten Arsenal 18 times, drawn eight, and lost five. How about that for a stat? That's not bad, is it? Really, they're rubbish. Um, I think um, the uh, the thing that did it for me was uh, uh, I, I tweeted yesterday. It was uh, it was um, death. Taxes and Chelsea beating Arsenal, the three certainties in life, and uh, we saw the third yeah. one again. I mean, it was quite amazing, wasn't it? I mean, the, the other thing that really tickled my uh, tickled my fancy was the fact that. But Arsenal have not scored against Chelsea in the last six league games. That's over nine and a half hours of, uh, of football, which is quite remarkable, Jonathan. Well, it was it? remarkable considering that the defence was so dreadful against West Bromwich and Everton and put me into such a dreadful gloom, um, suspecting that we would be relegated at the end of the season. Um, but uh, if we play as well as this, um, uh, I think a top four finish is, uh, is really likely. Um, and apparently we've... Of the last seven games, we're second um, in in the number of points scored. It just shows how, with what was it, thirteen? It just shows how um, average the the whole of the division is, yeah. and how uh, a top four spot is really um, really possible under Goose, who I think pulled it out of the bag against uh, the Gooners um, in a way that I never suspected would happen. I think all the all the the bad players really up their game. I mean, Matic was just uh, outstanding, um, but yeah, obviously. The two great players, uh, as was Mikel. Um, so he's got this worked out that it does work having two defensive midfielders um, uh, with, 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 with John Obi and, and Matic. But of course, the great, the great performances were from Fabregas, who was, in particular in the first half, which half was absolutely outstanding. Well, the of world is, though, performance. He's and, got a and, lot of space. Uh, he, well, indeed, there's the difference. Yeah. You have to wonder whether, in fact, it's because he doesn't get the space because we play against so many of the teams who just play. You know, park the bus and then break, which is what Arsenal were never going to do because they always want to try and impress with their football playing against us and beat. Now I, I, I've got I've got another uh, uh, you know because basically you know I think I think what I'm really leading up to say in this part is that you know Arsenal are officially Chelsea's bitches. Um, but the interesting thing I did a bit of research on this as you know Jonathan because we talked about this yesterday. But basically. Um, Everybody seems to know that we've smacked their asses for the last 10 years. And frankly, we got ours smacked for most of the, the, the 90s, certainly. But how about this? Uh, you'll all love this, right? Between 1960 and 1970, Chelsea won 16, drew 2, lost 2 against Arsenal. Which, pound for pound, is probably even better than we've done against them in the last 10 years. Jonathan, you were probably watching most of those. I you watched all of them, I suspect, and I can't remember any of them, Chidge, which is what I find, <laughs> I find rather desperate, actually, about, uh, mm. about the whole 
about eight, so, eight, eight I don't remember them. I remember them thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to play Arsenal. We'll, we'll win easily. That's the kind of thought. You're absolutely right, yeah. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Dan, Dan Sills, what do you think of that? I mean, I was surprised when I read that. I've got to be honest. Fantastic stat. And for a club with no history, it's even better. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, we, we, weren't, we weren't even formed then, were we? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal stat. I mean, yes, they, they, you know, in the 90s, they had the Indian sign over us, but that, if you put it you know, over the period of 50 years, it's probably pretty much like for like. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, it's really interesting, actually. Uh, you know, it's so weird. Alison Frouty says, so weird, Chidge in my left ear, JK, Dan in my right. Where's Dan, where's Dan the booth? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm about to ask him. <laughs> Dan, what, what are you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dan, Dan, what, oh, very good, very good. I mean, it, it, it is interesting, our history against Arsenal, because, you know, it, it's been fairly even, apart from clear periods of dominance by either side. I mean, the, you know, when they had um, Herbert Chapman, they were caning us a lot, and they, they gave us a bit of a, a seeing-to in the 80s, when we were actually in the same division. But we've had periods of dominance over them too. It's quite fascinating, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think um, if you look at the, the last few years, the, the years that we'll all remember best, um, that period in, in the 90s when they really did have us over a barrel, that was, that was still really George Graham's Arsenal, wasn't it? And, and, and it's all turned around. It's an Wenger that, that can't manage it. Wenger has a real problem with Chelsea. Um, and well, you know... Go on, Dan. Sorry. You just wonder where that's come from. He, he seems to be completely psychologically beaten by Chelsea since he sees the blue shirt. I mean, one of the, one of the things I was going to say actually was exactly that. I mean, clearly Arsenal since 2004 have been indefatigably Chelsea's bitches, but I, I just really wonder how much of it is down to Wenger and the fact that a is he tactically clueless and b is he stubborn. At the end of the day. You know, Arsene Wenger is the difference between the two sides in many respects, isn't he? He is. I mean, a lot, a lot of Wenger's issues related after 2004, the Invincibles, he lost the George Graham back four and he's had to have his own back four. He's only got one way of playing. He's very myopic and it's the detriment. I mean, how long did it take him to sign Peter Cech? Six years of saying, sign a keeper, sign a keeper. And it took him six years to realise. He's, he's, he still hasn't got a proper centre-half, of course. You know, Mertesacker Saka is... All the fans think it's dreadful. It's described to me by an Arsenal fan as, as playing with an iron lung. Um, lovely. The other thing he hasn't got, and the thing he doesn't want, is a defensive midfielder. He doesn't believe in him, does he? And, and that was really the, no, their undoing at the Emirates, I thought. Well, you think yeah. Flamini's a kind of defensive midfielder, but he spent most of the time surging into the penalty area, much to the, uh, the detri detriment of, uh, of the team. I mean, I mean, he must have something, because to go that long for a top team to keep their coach, however much he's done for the club, is, you know, he, he must have a lot of nudes somewhere, because you know, 10 years with two FA Cups. It's, it's, a lot of it's what? Lot of nudes? Did you say nudes? Yes, he's probably got, you know... Send, send nudes, nudes! Send nudes! Yeah. He's just... It's bizarre because we've been through well, how many managers in the same same period? Six managers in ten years, is it? And we've. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I tell you what. The, for me, the biggest uh, the biggest indictment of how sh how pity, pitiful Arsenal are is that they can't even beat us in the, in our worst season for nearly thirteen years, thirty years even. I mean, if if ever if ever a team had a psychological hold, oh, and it is a psychological hold, I think. If any a team had them over Arsenal, it's Chelsea, isn't it, Dan Levine? Yes, yeah, definitely. And uh, and, and they, uh, yeah, they they just seem to be absent-minded, and as soon as they hit the pitch, um, they don't seem to know what, what they're doing, and they, they just seem entirely beaten from the off. Fingers, 
decisions were just baffling, really, uh, in that game. And, and, and you know, as you, as you rightly say, the, the fans of the stadium were calling out on it. And uh, you know, the people, people just don't, they are getting restless. He surely is running out of time. As far as I'm concerned, he can stay there forever. But, uh, oh, yeah, we want you to stay. We want you to stay, Arsene Wenger. We want you to stay. The, um, Sorry, Jonathan, I, I cut I across. No problem. I was in the... Uh, Laguna end. I, I, I had a friend gave me a, a ticket and sent it to an extra Chelsea mate. He had to sit on my hands, obviously, when uh, when Costa scored and for the um, See, good and company for, then. and for the um, for the sending off. But um, but even they were mystified, particularly by the Giroud um, uh, substitution all around me. They're just yeah. they're, they're absolutely bemused with Wenger, and yet they then won't they won't blame Wenger. Wenger, they'll blame other things. They'll blame. They'll blame um, Costa Chelsea. somehow. It's you know, yeah. or fate or something. It doesn't. They won't actually analyse it properly and say, um, and say that it's all. You know, it's down to bad management. Yeah. I mean, we, I was when they called Giroud off. I was delighted because I thought, well, he, he's a big threat, and if we're going to sit back and defend deep, the pace is kind of counterproductive because they're not going to get past us if we're defending that deep. Yeah. As soon as he went off, I thought, you know what? That's that's a really good sign. Yeah, I, I mean, actually, that's a really good segue because I, I really wanted to talk about this because I think the other thing that I'm, I mean, I, I mean, you know, we'll talk about this a lot more in part two about about how well I think Chelsea performed and how well I actually think we got it right. But um, I, I, I was almost more amused and, and intrigued by by how awful their uh, their fans are. And I mean, I mean, they really are. They've got to be. And I've been saying this for years. It's not just after after Sunday, but they really are some of the worst fans in football. I mean, they they are the Scousers of London. I mean, I don't know if any of you lot were on Twitter last night, but the you know, Cundy was winding them up to distraction for about four hours, and then getting loads of tweets like, uh, you know, we're going to text or we're going to phone up Talksport and get you sacked, you know, which is really Scouse behaviour. Anyway, I mean, the, the conclusion for me of this, there are, I think there's actually quite a serious point in this. And, and, and my, the, my theory, which I will share with you, is that actually, you know, it, it's always Chelsea fans that are accused of ruining football. I actually think it's much, much the opposite. I actually think that Arsenal have uh, ruined football. And pretty much since they've built that new solar stadium, what's happened is it's, it's accelerated the gentrification of football because suddenly, you know, 30,000 seats are open to people who wouldn't have gone to football before because they were too middle class and they feel it's safe to go and it's nice to go and and it's that's the kind of typical Arsenal supporter you know sterile culture able to afford expensive seats wear shirts over a hoodie middle class nerds obsessed with class and history spreadsheets and net spend and social media and fan channels they really are in my opinion the worst type of football fans and they are ruining it. Uh, discuss Dan Silver. Yeah, certainly. They're the, 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 kind of the, the epitome of what's bad about modern football. These guys who just turn up, have their dinner, and just... They don't care. They don't, they don't, they don't get the ethos of what it is to be a football fan. You know, you, myself, Dan, Joy, we've, we've been there. We know what it's like in front of 6,000 homes to Blackburn. You know, proper football, the real passion, the real love. These, these new football people, they don't get it. It's, it's a hobby. It's a, it's, it's, it's a way of, you know, probably getting a tax rebate through work. They don't get. They don't. They yeah. don't get football. They don't get what it's like to win the Champions League. Obviously, because they haven't. But I think. I think a lot of them haven't played either. I think one of the advantages is not played. You understand the nuances of it, but some of the some of the uh, the demands for retribution from just simple tackles and uh, um, and uh, um, ridiculous misunderstanding of the laws, even from where from where I was, is just is is, is, is bewildering actually. 
that they don't know what's going on on the pitch. I mean, I, I know I sound terribly classist about this, and who am I to, to talk? Because I'm obviously quite posh, as is Jonathan, as are we all. You know, I mean, we're all we're all we're all we're all very middle class, and I and I and it's always intrigued me and amused me that even back in the the, the dark, you know, kind of Beirut days of Stamford Bridge and Chelsea, that quite a lot of posh people would always go. But what I'm really getting at is that, you know, these are the kind of people that go to Arsenal and certainly have been since they built the Emirates and the kind of fans that have utterly, I think, single-handedly ruined their fan base are the kind of people who never, ever would have considered going to football. But certainly, I'd say, before 2000, probably way before that. I mean, Dan, Dan Levine, what do you think of my, my social, sociological theory? Some great rant, Chidge. I did enjoy that. It was very good. <laughs> uh, there are a few things I think we missed out. One of them was the ridiculous barber's pole red and white striped scarves that are about as wide as a carriageway of the M1 that they'll wear around their necks. What is that all yeah. about? And the other one is, can I, can I also, if you, Pyberry Corner, a you know, whole culture oh. around a shop that sells posh pies that is ingrained into the club. Give me a break. I know, it's, it's shithousery of the worst kind, and none of it has anything to do with football, does it? And I mean, another, I mean, these fan channels, I remember it was Arsenal who started all of that. Um, and I, I heard, I mean, I don't know, I, sh- I shall say allegedly, because I don't know what the, uh, the veracity uh, of this is, but I did see a tweet uh, last night saying that that loathsome individual, Mo Hadda, who's on the Arsenal fan channel, and he's an accountant, and he's a very hateful, nasty piece of work. I heard that he apparently got thrown um, out for homophobic chanting. I don't think he did, because I was trying to follow his timeline to find out what was going on. I think there was an incident, and he was spoken to, but I don't believe he said in his tweet he wasn't thrown out. He was allegedly questioning why there were two men together at a football match, which is, which is like, OK, a football match, two men together. Mm. So... It's hardly, hardly homophobic. Exactly. Uh, listen, he's, 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 he's typical of, you know, this Arsenal fan base. But then, then you've got people like Claude, who I've got a bit respectful because he, he gets Arsenal, he gets the frustration. He doesn't, he doesn't like what's going on. You see him no. with his passion and his anger, and at least he gets it. But most of them are just, just idiots, some of the stuff they, they're putting up. Well, I'm, really, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Sills, because, you know, it's absolutely true, and I think this is the kind of point that I'm trying to make. There is a, there is a payoff and a punchline in this in a minute, but you know, I know, like you do, like we all do, I'm sure, a lot of old-school Arsenal fans who are pretty much like us, you know, who were going, you know, been going for years, who get it, who get the culture of football, who get the passion of football, you know, and, that, and they're not like these bellends who, who, who are merchandise city and all the rest of it. And, and, and that's why I like Claude. That's why we all love Claude, because Claude is one of those. And, and you know, OK, I, I'm sure he plays up to it on, on the camera and he's, he's as culpable as the rest of them. But I like Claude because I, I, I feel Claude is, is what Arsenal, like us, used to be like. And actually, that it, therein lies the problem. And I think this is something we need to be very mindful of, that when we expand Stamford Bridge uh, to a, a similar kind of capacity, you know, they are a cautionary tale, yeah, Arsenal, because we, we already pick up a lot of, you know, plastics and tourists. And I say that with, with small P and T's because, you know, it, they have different meanings for different people. But let, let's put it another way. We already pick up a lot of transient support because of where we are in London and the fact that it's in a flashy part of town. When we increase that capacity, there is a danger that we could go the same way as Arsenal. And, and, and that, would be, that would be just... Uh, I mean, too yeah. much to think... And we would go, just be careful not to get away from our true fan base. Because that's, that's, that's the core of Chelsea. That's, that's Chelsea's history. That's, you know, 
generations like myself, third generation Chelsea. This is what you know the club is built upon. You know, but it depends how popular we are as well, though, doesn't it? Doesn't or, or, it? If, or what league we're in, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> because because if cool. if um, cool. if they had difficulty in filling the remaining, you know, how many there were twenty thousand seats, so they've they've had to to cast a, a wider net to get people. I'm not convinced that would be the case with Chelsea because there seem to be so many thousands who fail to get tickets every game because we're sold out all the time. Yeah, but you, you, you say that, Jonathan, and I, I know I, I a very good couple of friends of mine who were season ticket holders at Arsenal before they built the Emirates. They had to wait something like 10 years in a, in a, in a waiting list to get a season ticket. Such was the demand for season tickets at the old Highbury. Well, some, what summed it up about being Arsenal? I was going to my friend at Arsenal Station yesterday and there must have been... There's space for five minutes, about 50 or 60 day trippers, as I like to call them, turning up with yeah. selfie sticks, cameras. And one, one guy turned up with two suitcases going to the match. I was like, you know, it's not, there's no hotel there. It, it, it's what football's become. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much exposure worldwide. That's why there's so much focus on, you know, shirt sales in Asia and other places. What I want to do is just focus on the core, which is Chelsea, our core fan base. And that's, that's what it's all about. But maybe it's yeah, a very kind of yeah. idealistic approach. But that's what I would like to see. Well, uh, it, it, it's fair enough, Dan, and I think a lot of us share that. Although one could argue it's a bit selfish, but then we don't support Chelsea for everybody else. We support them because we support them. Dan Levine, just to, to wrap this part up with the, with the immutable question, which is, you know, how good will it be if the two victories that we've had over Arsenal this season are what prevents them from winning the title? It'd be marvellous, wouldn't it? And, and you know, if, if you count out the stats, we, the, the, the six points we've had at Arsenal this year have been 21% of all of our league points, which is pretty, pretty desperate stuff. But if that stops then, then it will have all been worthwhile. In a way, it may even be up there with uh, you know, uh, Denver Bar against Steven Gerrard, mightn't it? Yeah, I think so. Good shout. Yeah, I'd like their season I mean, to deteriorate a... now, though, completely, and them to finish halfway. Or finish fourth again. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think finishing fourth would be hilarious and enough. I mean, it sounds very petty and kind of Arsenal and Scouse-like, but I think that they, they deserve such amount of derision from us because of what they're like and how they behave that I can wish them nothing but ill will, apart from Claude, who I like. And on that slightly humanistic and positive point, we will end this part and uh, we'll come back to you in a sec. And uh, we, what were we doing? Ah, we will be praising Costa, not burying him. And uh, we'll also be uh, praising Fabregas, because I think he deserves it. And uh, sorry, uh, Clive and uh, Gary, I will be praising Fabregas. And, of course, we'll be asking if they are well and truly back. And will this win and performance against Arsenal lead to a charge at the table? Or was it just that Arsenal are so pitiful? Anyway, we will see you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans... FootballFanCast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I am Stafford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And on this rather weird and virtual and somewhat probably background noisy show, I have the lovely Dan Levine. Good evening. I have the wonderful Dan Silver, and I have the inimitable Jonathan. Lovely King. word to describe me. Thank you, darling. You are you are nothing but unique, <laughs> darling. Now, I mean, I'm going to basically spend most of this part, about all of this part, talking yes. about Costa and talking about Chesk 
and also asking, are we back uh, and are they back? But I mean, I, first of all, though, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a wonderful performance by Drogba, proper, proper centre forwards Costa. performance, Costa. holding up the Costa. ball, Costa. leading the line. What did I say? Drogba. Did I say yeah, Drogba? Did I? Well, there you go. That is the living and breathing textbook definition of a Freudian slip. Because actually, that's right. I mean, you know, his performance was Drogba-like. Uh, and, it, and it was so wonderful to see. I, mean, I, I think, you know, the silver lining to all of that, or the cream on the cake, was him getting Mertesecker sent off. Before we get into any of this in great depth, it was definitely a red, wasn't it, Dan Levine? No question at all. I, and I could not believe that a player with the experience and, you know, the, the pedigree of Mertesacker, a man who's played 104 times, the world champions, decided to slide in so rashly and stupidly on Costa. That is, that, it deserves the record for the stupidity alone, but it's definitely a red. Yeah, but Mertesacker is absolute shit. And I actually tweeted the minute he got sent off saying, actually, I think that that actually gives Arsenal an advantage now he's been sent off because he's so he's got shit. He's a Sacker attractor. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he, he really is. I mean, the, the bottom line about the World Cup, Dan, is that Germany won the World Cup because they stopped playing him um, after the quarterfinal. Yeah, and, and well, the, the person the person I think is luckiest in that thing is Kieran Gibbs, who wasn't on the pitch to be sent off. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know... But it just... I, I... It just shows it just shows you how, how, how crap uh, Wenger is defensively and tactically. If he if he thinks that uh, Mertzak is such a good defender and then he even makes him captain, although, of course... Apparently, he then gave the armband to Theo Walcott because it was he's had ten years at Arsenal. And what are they like? They're just mental. But anyway, and enough of that. Um, you know, it was. Uh, oh, actually, no. One thing I did want to pick up on. Uh, I'm sure Dan was very well aware of this. Dan Levine was very well aware of this. But Wenger's reaction to to to, to Mertesacker getting sent off was just. He doesn't believe it to this I mean, to this day. He believes that it was Costa get got him sent off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was trying to get Costa into trouble, yeah. wasn't he? Because he was—he he picked up on, on, on the Gabriel sending off uh, earlier in the season, and, and I just—and then—and then when—and then when I think it was, um, uh, you know, the Sky bloke—I can never remember his name. Um, but anyway, when he when he kind of pressed him on it, he just said, "Oh, I, oh well, I don't know. I, I I did not see it. I did not see it." And he, you know, he basically realised what he was saying, and that and and, knew, and whoever it was he was interviewing him was going to try and you know pressure him on that point. What an absolute pillock of the first degree. Like he sort of, if you had bit, if he occasionally came out and said you know, that it was wrong, I'd have a bit more respect for him. The fact he's so myopic and so Arsenal can do no wrong despite over 100 red cards in his career, it's, it's, it's madness. It, I, mean, I could see from where I was standing, it was a red card. It was, it was blatant. Kishana was not going to get right across and cover me. it. It was absolutely below me. And uh, yeah. it was an instant... You know, you mean I actually turned to, to my Chelsea man next to me and I said, "He's off." Yeah, and, and it's uh, actually good to see Clattenburg not bottle I think I said earlier they were all debating that in fact it, that he hadn't actually touched him and that he, and he made it up somehow that Costa had rolled. I mean, it was a slight, you know, bike plus three three somersaults, but it was definitely contact. He'd definitely been taken out, and he was on goal. One at a time, Dan. And it was intent as well. I mean, there's minimal contact, but it was it was a foul. Shirley was not going to get around and cover, and I could see from my seat that it was a great and red. I mean, there's no doubt. And at least Katzenberg didn't bottle the decision because I thought he might bottle it and give him the yellow card. But I don't know how he could the, possibly have done that because he was right on goal and there was nobody else around. You know, he looked. And also, Wenger said that he'd made a was it a, a hasty and harsh decision. He took several seconds before he made the decision, Klattenberg. He assessed it and yeah. realised that, yeah, I've got no option but to send him yeah. off. 
But having, having said that, amazingly enough, uh, you know, Clattenburg didn't send any Chelsea players off, which I was really <laughs> expecting. We missed a blatant penalty, though, as we will know. Like, no, that's yeah, late. I mean, that, that's another interesting thing, actually. Dan yep. Levine, was there much talk in the, in the post-match presser about uh, Fabregas not, not getting a penalty? Yeah, quite a lot. And I thought Hiddink did quite well in taking a, a bit of moral high ground here because he, he said that, uh, you know, while he, he could see that the referee might consider it not to be a penalty and he'll sort of give him that one, although we all knew it was, um, the red card was definitely a red card. So he was basically saying to, to Wenger, I can watch a match fairly, you can't. Um, so I don't mind conceding yeah. a little bit of yardage on that. But yeah, it, it looked to all, almost everyone that I was sat with in, in the press area, certainly it looked like a penalty. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I thought it was blatant. I think everybody here thinks... I mean, you know, there's a few people on Mixer. Mixler is saying much the same. Dazza says that Clattenburg bottled it, and I think he did. And I think, actually, he probably bottled it because he realised that he would have to send uh, Koscielny off if, if he gave it, probably. Possibly, I mean... Because he was on a yellow. Yeah. He was already on a yellow. We could have given the penalty in a, fi a final warning, which would have been... And also, Fabregas' interview on Sky post-match, he kind of chose his words very carefully, but without leave us up for a charge he said I'm not surprised but he didn't necessarily question anyway anyway J Jonathan you know Costa, I really do think he played very well as I said earlier on he held the ball up really well led the line proper strikers there was that wonderful search into the penalty he's, area he's, he's, he's now scored six goals in six do you think he's back oh, without any shadow of a doubt I thought it was a, a fantastic performance my worry is that he's uh, got this dodgy tibia now hasn't he got this because he, he, he went off injured again but I reckon if he'd stayed on because we've talked about this before, but um, Remy was atrocious, atrocious so, when he came on. Um, we are going to talk about that, about later, that in a but, minute. Um, let's, put, let's hold, hold I'm on. Holding, hold I'm holding, I'm holding our horses. But the, the, the surge that Costa did into the penalty area when he um, forced Czech to save at the uh, at the near post um, was was brilliant. I mean, suddenly brilliant pace. He he's, he was he was absolutely on fire. And it was it was joyous to behold because it makes you think. Well, we've got now. If he carries on playing like this, and the level of the team goes up, we've got a chance against PSG, which I never ever thought we'd have at all. It's well, you never you never know with the Champions League, do you? Because it's at the end of the day, it's a cup competition. Over well, if they legs. give us a chance to what play, if PSG give us the same as Arsenal, if they don't, you know, I think we we're having we have great difficulty in breaking down teams who defend and break uh, uh, and defend and then and then and get us on the break. And and uh, and PSG won't play like that at all. I mean, the one. Now, you, 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 sorry, Dan. You mentioned his injury, Jonathan. Dan, is there any Dan Levine? Is there any uh, news on on uh, Costa's injury? Uh, no, not not present. Um, the players have been given two days off, Monday, Tuesday. So, um, you know, as with all these things, they wait for the swelling to go down a bit. They do some scans. We should know a little bit more about it by by either late Tuesday or Wednesday, I'd imagine. Um, but but oh, well, the hitting did seem to think it's 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 not that major an issue. Yeah. I mean, anyway, actually, we've got Milton Keynes in the cup on, on Sunday, so maybe there's an opportunity to rest Costa, play Remy, dare I say, or even better, play Traore. Dan, what do you reckon about that? Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's MK Don's zone. If he isn't 100%, we could probably afford to rest him for that game. I was just going back to what John was saying about PSG. The fact is, they, they're in the least competitive league in Europe, so they're going to be given a test. So you know, I'm not beyond the realms of possibility they might get through. Just kind of going back to what Jonathan was saying earlier. Well, like I said, Silves, I mean, you know, you, you never yeah. know with the Champions League. Strange things happen. So I, 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 I'm not kind of like saying we're going to win it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying we're, we're not going to win it. But either way, you never know what's going to happen. Now, um, Dan Silves, do you, do you think Costa's back? He's getting there. Um, he, he's been the last four or five games. He's, he's focused more on playing football than starting fights everywhere. He's kind of 
he still had that anger, the edge. But he stopped the histrionics and stopped the kind of squaring up to everybody. I mean, a couple of times we, we were offside. Got really frustrated. He punched the flag. It was quite funny. But generally, he's, he, he looks a lot sharper. He looks fitter. He looks lost weight. He, he had a go at, uh, at Dave, didn't he, for, for getting in his way when he kind of yeah. volleyed. I always try to start something like Diego Costa. He fights with his mom, but nobody picks up. Well, I mean, you know, bottom line is it's all fantastic and really good to see, and I really hope he is. But I tell you what else was good to see, and, you know, I, 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 I give, I give uh, Fabregas a really, really hard time for most of the time, and I, I freely admit that my bias against Fabregas is, is really down to the fact that he's ex-Arsenal and Barca, and I, and I can't get beyond that. But praise where praise is due. I, I mean, he got the man of the match yesterday. And I think it was well deserved. I thought it was a really good performance, and it was. And, and he controlled the game. And you know, praise where praise due, Jonathan. I thought he was. I decent. thought he was brilliant, especially in the first half. I think the second half we we defended a bit more. We were more intent on defending, but um, uh, he was he was swifter than I've seen him. He wasn't knocked off the ball easily, and uh, and his passing was much more accurate. It was um, it was a, a, a terrific first half performance. Yeah, well, that's good to see. Dan, Dan, were you, uh, Dan Sills, were you uh, happy? Yeah, I thought, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he, he covered a lot of ground. He was very practical going forward. He used the ball wisely. I just thought he, he looks a lot sharper. I mean, the, the whole team looked fitter and sharper. And dare I say it, happier. This is a bit more, even Matt, even Matic, a bit underrated. But I thought he had, he had a much better game. A bit more offensive than normal because yeah. he was pushing forward a few times. I mean, it was, he was the one, his misplaced cross to Branagh for the goal. His distribution was better as well. Yeah. Going back to distribution, Courtois' distribution was shocking throughout the match. Yeah, it was. This guy, it was awful. I don't think he hit a Chelsea player once for a kick. But I think... Yeah, I know. It was a yeah. bit poor, wasn't it? But I don't know what to think about uh, Courtois. But you know what? I'm not going to diss him off this yeah. week. This week, I want to be happy and positive. Dan Levine, I've got a question for you. And I think you and I had a bit of Twitter badinage about this last night. I mean... You know, I absolutely think there's no doubt in my mind that Fabregas had an excellent game yesterday and, and was deservedly man of the match. But I, I, I think there should be some mitigation here because against Arsenal, he didn't he didn't come up against a side where they had anybody who was prepared to tackle him or, or to exploit the space behind him, which he always leaves. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be churlish, but that is a fact. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and uh, it's hugely ironic that it's against Arsenal against the manager who knows him so well who knows exactly what he can do and who knows that if you give him a little bit of space then he'll run right in it and, and for Wenger to not even attempt to nail him down to not press him at any stage of the game to give him all that all that yardage you know, it just made no sense and, and fair play to Fabregas for, for running right with it and, and deservedly picked up the champagne yeah, but that's that's typical Wenger, though, isn't it, Dan? You see, because he he never ever ever gives a shit what the opposition are going to do. He's always made a thing of saying, "I don't care about what they do; it's all about what we do." But th that's why he ends up losing these big matches. Because I mean, you know, Pardew, Pulis, you name it, decent managers go, "Hmm, Fabregas, right? Stick a couple of people on him, kick him, press him, and exploit the space in behind, and we'll get a result." And that's what's happened. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he likes to think he's a football purist. In, in most people's eyes, that means he's a failed football manager, really. Well, I, 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 it, it, he's a specialist in failure, and I think that, that Mourinho, who has that wonderful knack of coming up with epithets that stick, uh, absolutely nailed it with that one. Now, I mean, apart from uh, clearly Chesk and uh, Costa being back, we hope. Actually, before we go into that, one more thing, actually, and I'm going to ask Jonathan this, see what he has yes. to say. Um, 
the other thing I thought that actually worked very, very well with Chesk, although you know one needs to take into account what I've just said about about you know not being pressured. I do think, and it's interesting that Gus, Gus has seemed to have done this a lot, but he's playing him as the number ten rather than in defensive midfield. And, and we've been saying this a lot on the program this year that if you are going to play Fabregas, play him in the number ten role because at least it mitigates any defensive damage he can create. What do you think? Well, I think that, that's why he's put Matic and. Um, and Mikel together because it then allows him just to play in that position, doesn't it? Uh, and to boss, that's the idea. It didn't work very well against um, uh, um, Everton, did it? Because um, the second that he took Matic off, they scored two goals. Um, but I think it, I, I think it, it makes it much more stable. And and perhaps uh, this is the first time it's worked. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what, Jonathan? You're, I think you're absolutely spot on because I mean, Dan uh, Levine will bear this out as well because I think in the presser afterwards. One of the things that Hiddink went on about was was it's all about the balance, and we said it again, you know, before Christmas. We we look so imbalanced most of the time, and we could all see it. And Gus has come in, and he's he's picked Mikel, who he's always trusted and liked from his first time here, and he, and, and there's there we seem to have balance now, Dan. Levine. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And and I think um, one of the things about Fabregas, you know, he's, he's Hiddink said that you know he likes to play football, he likes to have the space to do that. But he also said you can't always have that. You can do that against Arsenal, but you can't do it against other teams. And and that is why Hiddink is so very very different to Wenger because he does you know, line up his teams to be what's opposite him um, and it's just yeah. about making sure that the, that the player knows that and the player knows they're going to get the chance to show their flair mm, Good stuff Alright, Dan Sills I mean, you know we... We did miss a lot of chances at the end as space opened up. And, I mean, on another day, it really should have been, I think, 3 or 4-0. And I think the main, the main culprit, really, was Remy yeah. when he came on. And, and, I mean, I, I think there are two schools of thought with this, uh, Sills. One is that, you know, Remy really is unbelievably bad. But there's another side to me that, what, that wonders whether we've let him down a little bit. Because, you know, we've not, we, we've not given him the opportunities that we could have done. And, and I mean, he did look like a very, very ring yeah. rusty player I mean, yesterday. His injury record is concerning because he, he can't seem to keep fit. I mean, he made two very bad decisions when he had chances to to shoot, and he, his decision making was poor. Perhaps he, yeah, lacking match fitness, lacking sharpness, lacking confidence. I mean, he, he does score goals, but is 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 the question is he good enough for us? I don't think he is. Well, I yeah. wonder. I mean, his first his first touch was appalling yesterday, and that looked like a man who'd, who'd not played yeah. for a while. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, his decision making was atrocious. Not not just in who he was passing to or not passing to, but yeah. his offside. I also think there's one chance. I think the last couple of minutes when he was through, and instead of pulling it left, he pulled it right straight at the defender, and they cleared it. And the other time, yeah. I think he, rather than shooting, he squared it to William. This is right before the final whistle. William is shot across goal. So clearly lacking confidence. Decision making is poor. But then we never seen him have a run of sort of eight, nine, ten games like we said with Jogba last season. He needs games to build up his fitness and his confidence and his levels. But Remy, because where we yeah. play, he won't get that chance. I think, sadly, I mean, it'd be interesting what, what Dan Levine says about this, but I know we're going to be talking about transfers and stuff in part three. But I, I have a, a feeling that, that, that Remy's ship has sailed, that it's just not working for him and it's not working for the club. And I can see him going. What do you reckon? He does look like a player whose confidence is completely shot, doesn't it? Uh, and, and, yeah. and that is always yeah. a difficult thing to bring things back from. Um, the, the, the difficulty will be whether we can find somebody to replace him. You know, he's only going if we can find someone else. Um, and is Pato really that someone else? I'm not sure he is. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hold, hold our powder on that one, but I, I think you're right about Remy. I mean, the other thing, Dan, is that, 
you know, I, I thought that we were creating a lot more goal threats yesterday. Uh, we just look at, I mean, apart from the balance that clearly Gus has, has put in, we seem to play, we seem to be a lot more fluid. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. sorry. Sorry, Dan, Dan Levine. Yeah, certainly, and, and it's notable from Costa in particular that he runs into places that he was never doing under Mourinho. You know, there's, there's something, obviously, that has gone on there, um, and he's, he, he is now playing to a fuller capacity now, you know, more, closer to the level that we've seen in the past. I think Dan said something interesting about how they look happier, um, and they definitely yeah. do, obviously, since we got since we got rid of Papi Dilabodji. I reckon yeah. he was the he was bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a statue up to... Which 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 one of you is dying? Is that Dan or is that John? I'm fine. I'm alive. I'm fine as well. Can I just go back to Remy a second? Was yeah, of course. Cool it's all we're talking about is confidence. I think it, the fact that he was offside five times, I think at least, was something. It's, it's nothing to do with confidence. It's nothing to do with confidence. It's just to do with just no, not, not, your heart isn't in it. I, I can't get that at all. You know, it's so simple not to be offside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted yesterday or today that. Because they were playing a high line, he should have been playing off the last shot because he's easily got the pace over tiring off the defence. Watch the line, play off the shoulder, run in between the gaps, and he, he didn't do it. Yeah, of course, he didn't. No, yeah, no. and the, the other good thing is that Hazard's back. Hopefully, if everybody else is happy, Hazard's happy, we might have a, a little renaissance in the last four months of the season. Well, you know what, you've, you've segued that beautifully, mate, because I just wonder, you know, Hazard did look much more up for it, even if, even if he only played a cameo, and Costa and Fabregas look. Like the players they were last, like for the first half of last season, certainly, we've got a better balance. It looks good with Mikel in the holding role. Um, you know, do you think that we can we can go on a charge up the table? It's possible. I mean, it's, it was it was a big win yesterday. It's sort of you know we've got United who were woeful and Newcastle and Watford. So yeah. if we can come out of that with seven points, maybe even nine, then I think anything's yeah. possible. Because if we could, that that is a championship winning squad, and if all the key players from last season. Are back towards their top level. We are, we are a good team, a difficult team to beat. So, and if everybody in the division is still um, is still shipping points as they are at the moment, it's, uh, you know who knows where you're going to finish. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing, guys, is that you know when Chris came in, uh, came in last time and managed us, he didn't. He only lost one match to Tottenham away, yeah. I think, didn't he? So he's That's basically unbeaten, and, and he's already unbeaten at the moment. So Dan Levine, there is. I mean, I, I do see. I think maybe it's clicked, and maybe we can charge up the table. What do you I mean, think? Can we charge up the table? We are charging up the table. We're up to thirteenth now. Thirteenth, dizzy heights. You know, um, one thing I just want to nail down quickly because there's been a little bit of talk about can fourth be done. I think John Terry said it, it was still possible. Hidding said, no, it really isn't. However, he says, if the captain believes, believes it is, then OK, we've got to take that at face value. But I, I, I think we need to manage expectations here. I, I can't see fourth is in any way possible. Well, I would agree with you in a normal season, but I don't think this is a normal Complete season. Complete abnormal I mean, season, Chidge. I mean, here we go. Here's something. I, I was watching Sky Sports News before we went on air, and they were absolutely having a go at Man United, much to my hilarity, about... They're breaking records and shitness for them this year. And this is the lowest amount of points they've ever had after 23 games in the Premier League. And yet where are they? They're fifth. They're there. They're thereabouts. You know, the bottom line is, is that everybody is basically a lot more shit than they were. And people will lose games. So if we could go the rest of the season maybe losing one or two games, which, you know, is, is if we get our championship form back and we've got Goose in charge, he's a decent manager, 
It's not yeah. inconceivable that we might get into fourth. I think we need to hope that Leicester shit the bed because they they they, they keep they keep winning games. And you thought they'd drop by now, but they're still there thereabouts because that's the top four as it stands could conceivably stay as is. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the lovely thing is just to kind of just kind of round this one off before we go to a break. It, it's, it's lovely to win a match that matters a lot and play well and look like like the Chelsea of old. And, and have a lovely warm feeling and to lord it over those arse wipes from yeah. North London again. It's just wonderful, isn't it? I think we all agree with can that. Can I make one very last quick point? When Peter yep. Check came out for the second half, he got an absolutely fantastic reception from the Chelsea fans. And yet Arsenal fans still with Fabregas arrest our case. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they're a bunch of yeah. arse wipes, as I said. All right, enough of that. After the break... We will be having a chat about the transfer rumour uh, circulating on a daily basis around Chelsea and uh, asking who must go, who might go and who should stay at Chelsea in the summer. We will see you lot in a very short while. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fan. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com I am Stanford Chidge and of course you are listening to Chelsea Fancast with the lovely Dan Levine. And, uh, it's a funny story that, isn't it? It's come completely from left field. I don't think anyone was expecting to see that, but it's, it looks like it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it does it's Dan Petrescu's side in China that are after him. He's the manager there. Um, and uh, it seems Rami isn't happy for some reason, mainly because he's not playing matches. And uh, but 25 yeah. million, I think, although although Rami is a great guy and he's energetic and that sort of thing, he's 28, 29 years old. It's not bad money for him. No, I mean, I'd agree with that, Dan. I mean, what I would say, I mean, I, I personally 
Uh, I, 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 would, I mean, we, it's funny, actually, because this, this we could have left to the, the end of this part where I really want to talk about who should go and who should stay. But, I mean, I, I love, I love Ram, Ramirez. I mean, I love him because I got to interview him, and he's a lovely fella. I love him because he scored goals of the season. I love him because he scored one of the best goals ever seen in a Champions League semi-final and helped us to win it. Uh, and I love him because he kicks people for fun, and he's my kind of a player. Having said that, he is probably... I've never seen a Brazilian with a worse first touch than him. And really, I don't really ever see him as much more than an impact sub or a good squad player. But I think that we will be poorer for letting him we go. We thought that he would go last year. Did, we better. thought he'd go in the, in the close season last year. I remember talking about that on the, yeah. uh, the yeah. programme. I wonder if his new contract was just to increase his value because he only signed a new contract in December, November, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, well, you never, you never yeah, know. Maybe that, that does happen. Yeah. So, Sills, Sills, you're going to be sorry to see. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's, he's played over 200 games for us, and he's never, he's Ray lets us down, and that that Barcelona goal, he'll be Chelsea folklore forever. Albeit, it might have been a really heavy second touch. I don't know. But, um, I just think, uh, you know, when he called in Man City goal, goal of the season, he's he's a good player. You know, but it, look, as long as we bring somebody else in or it means lots of shit gets more of a chance, I'm, I'm happy. Anyway, I think the only shot of this possibly, Dan Levine, is of course that if he goes, maybe it will give more space and opportunity for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That's exactly it, and, and, and we've got a hope beyond hope that's the case, um, because you know you can see that he leaves that sort of shape on the pitch, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, and, and at the moment, Ruben is, is quite clearly third, fourth choice for that, that department, and he moves up the, up the pecking order. Um, I miss Rami for, for the goals, like you say, uh, and, and just for the sort of tireless, you know, blowing smoke out of his arse performances, because he never ever stopped when he ran. But, but one of the things yeah. I won't miss about him is his, his brain-dead tackling and his, uh, his uh, desperation to get a red card at any possibility, any possible moment. And also, his, his distribution was, was occasionally uh, dreadful. He had some games where he seemed incapable of, of hitting a blue shirt. I love I love the fact that Ramirez kicks people though I li I like a player who could meet out a bit of uh, retribution so I, I will miss him for that right just, just to move on there's been a couple of other rumours too I'm going to talk to Dan about this first and then I'll bring you two lads in after that if I may but uh, Dan um, Pato is rumoured to be close is, is that true um, there's, there's certainly been interest in him there's been interest in him for a long time one wonders why because I think to most people's gaze he looks like a bit of a sort of finished, washed-up type character who's who's never really done it in Europe. Um, uh, but you know, who knows? I mean, it, it, it does look like Michael Emanalo is is selecting all of the transfer targets from 2011 at the moment. Yeah, just Well, I don't know. What do you? What, I mean, Dan, Dan Sills. What do you? What do you think I mean, he's, about, uh, I think when he came on AC Milan, he was he was young, very very talented. He's had a succession of injuries, which obviously has hampered his career. And he's ended up yeah, going back to Brazil. He's consistently injured, isn't he? I, I was hearing, I think it's Tim Vickery was saying that he, he sort of bounced around two or three clubs in Brazil, and he, he's expensive by Brazilian standards, and they quite they want to get him off the books. So they're probably he's got twenty six goals though, hasn't he this season? So yeah, far. I think his record at AC Milan was fairly respectable. I think he's a one in two, so he's, he's not a mug. But again, it's a player that's had a catalogue of injuries. We, we know what happened last time we signed a player with. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's Falcao yeah, all over again, exactly. isn't it? It just sounds it's, like sounds like mad. If it's stories. a loan deal for six, yeah, exactly. If it's a loan deal for six months with an option to buy his success, it's a no-brainer. Because in fairness, I'm a step up from Falcao. But was 
Let's don't expect without fire. I, I just, just uh, hold, hold on a second, guys, because some really interesting yes. feedback on Mixler here. Mark, Mark Goodshot, Goodshit, and uh, Gary have both said that. Well, actually, Mark said this, but he says that Pato was apparently a Mourinho signing, which I've also heard, and also that he's uh, heard that Hiddink is not so sure about it. Dan Levine, what, can you verify that? Um, well, you've got to hope. Um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a Mourinho signing. That it was Mourinho who's pursuing him. I think, I think it's a club pursuit going on there. Um, but uh, you know, we've we've got another five, six days of this. I wish it would go away. <laughs> Well, okay. Let's just Sorry. let's just run through a few more of the more, a few more of the rumours. Okay, I, I'm going to read them all out, and then I'll, I'll bring Dan in first, and then the other two you can comment on it. Uh, Levetsi's a rumour. Tejera is a rumour, but apparently he's going to Liverpool, not us. Stones is still being talked about. Weirdly, Thiago Silva's being talked about. Um, and I won't I won't deal with the others. Oh, we, 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 we've given Branner an extension. I think yeah. we should mention that. So, Dan, can you just run through those quickly and tell me what you think um, of any of those? Jared. Yeah, Tashiro would definitely after, but he does look like he's going to go to Liverpool, and, and that that does flag up some you know some warning signs, really, doesn't it? If people are, are choosing. Well, go, go, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? I think I know what you mean, but you. Explain. I mean, if we've fallen that far down the pecking order, that a player of that magnitude, you know, who, who's got a mate playing at Chelsea and William, um, has decided to go to, to Liverpool, who are you know, not going to get Champions League football, then that is worrying, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? If he does go to Liverpool, he'll regret it when they, they, they you know, they steal his hubcaps and nick his house and rob his house. So, half but half I read the reason was that um, he they put the price up, and that um, Emanalo wasn't keen on pursuing it as a consequence because they felt that they were just taking the piss. That sounds like a very Shakhtar thing to do. I mean, they do, you know, they play the old Ukrainian uh, negotiating game, which is when you say negotiate, they just double the price. So I, I can understand that. Um, what, what about this Thiago Silva stuff and the Levetsi stuff, uh, Dan? Any truth in that? Well, again, this is, again, this seems to be, if it, if it is true, and, and there's a certain amount of conjecture involved, if it is true, then it's again chasing players that were good four or five years ago. Um, and, and it just doesn't seem to make much, much sense, really. Um, Thiago Silva would surprise me an awful lot. Uh, Lovetsi maybe less so. Um, but, but again, that's, that's a little bit worrying, isn't it? Well, I heard Lovetsi wants to stay in Italy anyway, so, you know. And I, I mean, what the hell are we doing signing a 30-year-old? He hasn't I mean, played for you know, PSG. He's hardly played this year for PSG, yeah. has he? I know, it's just mental, absolutely. So I, I mean, I, I, know, I know a lot of this is, is down to, uh, you know, press rumour and all the rest of it. And, you know, how much of that can we actually genuinely believe? But, I mean, you know, some of, some of the rumours really make your hair fall out. It's just quite crazy, Dan. What, 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 what's going on? Um, you mentioned John Stones as well there. I, th I think that, that's a bridge that's been well and truly burnt, at least for the purposes of January. And, and I can't, yeah. can't see why John Stones would want to come to Chelsea at the moment um, over Everton. But, but no, I mean, this, this stuff just sells papers, you know, it just keeps agents in business. People talk about these moves and you know, people are touting potential future clubs for their clients. It's, it's, it's just a money-making game. And, uh, yeah, so and it's just part of the game, really, yeah. then, is what you're saying. Um, uh, Jonathan, are you happy about Branner getting a contract extension? Um... He played a lot better, didn't he? Um, uh, earlier in the season, I couldn't, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, I wouldn't have been very keen on it. But uh, 
if it's a you know it was a general malaise with the team and he can get back to his his his, his usual high level performance, then yeah, it's great. It's the same with the same with Cahill. They've given Cahill a, a, a contract extension, haven't they, for four years, and yet he can't even get into the team. So um, um, I don't know. But perhaps this is also to. Uh, the possibility, then you sell them, and then you can sell them at a higher premium, a higher rate, can't you? Um, but uh, well, he's only getting—he's only getting a year's extension. Oh, we got got his own year. Yeah, on 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 the early season performances, obviously not. But if he can if he can uh, improve in the way that he has over the past few games, well, perhaps he'll get back to normal. Um, and also, there's an argument that because he's an experienced head in what could be a relatively young squad next season, it's probably worth having him because he's. He's got the experience of being a winner, and our, our winners are, are suddenly leading the team. So we don't have many people with that kind of track record of winning winning competitions, and we, we need those sort of old experience heads around. Yeah, I mean, to, to be really honest, as far as Branner's concerned, I mean, I, I know he's been shocking for a year, but you know, we, we've lost a lot. Of, we've lost so many players. I mean, actually, you know, here's another thing. You know, Ramirez goes. That's yet another one of the. Champions League winning team that's gone, and and, and I and I worry about the, the fact that we have so few of the players who, who who grew up with that period of Chelsea dominance, and and, and I and, I mean you know, Branagh will be a good influence around the dressing room, and, and, and he does have leadership qualities, and you know I think to lose another player like that would be a real mistake. So I, I'm all for him getting another year. I got him. Yeah, I'm pleased about it. Uh, and from. Hello, am I, are you hearing me loud and clear? Yeah, 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 I can hear, I can hear you now. Excellent. Um, I, I'm very pleased about it. I know a lot of people aren't, but uh, I, I like Brenner on a personal level. I think he's a generally dependable sort of guy. He's been showing up a bit this season because people have found a, a sort of a, a niche in the armour and they've attacked it. Um, but I think he's a decent, a very, very good professional. Uh, and I think he, he, he shows great influence, particularly to the younger players in the, in the dressing room. Now look, there's a couple of uh, other things that have been in the rumour mill this week, both of which are quite interesting. One is that Ronald Koeman apparently joked that uh, he was hoping that Gus would put a good word in, in for him for the manager's job and then admitted that he was joking and it was all bullshit. Uh, and then the other one is that uh, apparently Allegri, who's the Juventus manager who won the title with them or something, apparently he's being earmarked for the manager's job. Dan Levine, what do you think of that? Well, they're looking at the moment, and the worry is that there doesn't really appear to be a plan B. They went into the start of this season knowing it was a possibility they may not finish it with Mourinho. Um, and they, they haven't got anything really lined up. And that, that, you know, we, we keep on going back to this succession planning issue, both in the team and with the manager. Um, Simeone is one of the guys that they really, really want. Um, but, of course, he doesn't speak a word of English. And at the moment, why would you go to Chelsea? Um, because there's no guarantee of Champions League football. Um, it, you know, it's we we are where we are. Who knows where we'll get with that? Is is Goose likely to carry on for another year? He's he is sixty nine years old, um, and he has talked a lot in the past about sort of hanging it up. And you know, he he he, he likes chatting uh, off around the world and having a good time. And who wouldn't? Particularly with the, the sort of means that he's got. I I can't really see a, a great deal of. Uh, future prospect the 69 year old manager is going to be 70 before long can you i mean well, short term i mean you think if we want an experienced manager to get us into champions league when arguably he might only have a, a 40 or 50 game season with no european football he's a good manager he's obviously good for the club in terms of pr which i don't think is important to them because he's he's quite humble so as a, as a short-term fix and we can't get who we want i couldn't think of work i couldn't think of you know 
any other alternatives? Anybody thinks on that? If he's offered a large amount of money by Abramovich, he might stay for another year. You never know. The players, the players respect him. Players like him. The, the, the club, the fans like him. So listen, if we can't get our main targets, he knows the club, he knows the team. It would make sense to give him a year. See what we can do. Certainly, he's a decent insurance policy, isn't he? Um, but I would imagine if we do end up with him next season, that it suggests that something's gone badly wrong in the recruitment process. Well, that, that could be at all levels in terms of transfers and everything else. There's obviously something fundamentally not quite right with that structure. But that's for another podcast. Well, I think, I think to be fair, this is something that we've known for far too long. But I, 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 it's really hard to say. I mean, we were saying on the show last week, we were hoping that they would have already, you know, been talking to one or two people and, you know, getting them lined up. But, I mean, the bottom line is we, we have no idea. I mean, it's, it's either going to be utter chaos and incompetence or very smart and forward planning. But the truth is, I don't think we're ever going to really know. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know who I want. I really don't. I mean, well, I do know, I do know who I want, but I don't know who they're going to get. I mean, I'd have Mark Hughes in the shot, as, as would Joe the Blue. Uh, well, Joe the Blue says technical director. I'd have him as the manager. I really, really would. But I don't know what you think. I mean, Dan, you went on the show last week when I was chuffing on about that. What do you think about that? Um, I, I, I think uh, he's proved himself to be a decent manager. He's playing some, some very good football at Stoke. But I think he's the wrong sort of face. And I don't think it's ever going to happen for that very reason. You know, because of what? Sorry, the mate. wrong sort of face, and I don't think you'll have for that reason. First of all, he's too British, and that is not, yeah. not the way we roll. Um, we so start. we're just going to get we're just going to get the next European managerial cab off the road. Pretty much, yes. Uh, and, and and I would imagine that no matter what negotiations are going on, the club won't have a clue whether they've been successful until after, say, the FA Cup final, say, the Champions League final, and whichever of those decides what competitions we're playing in what season. Yeah. And I think this is a real problem, actually. And I, and I wonder how much we're... I mean, you mentioned the whole Tejera thing a minute ago. Uh, and I wonder how much of a problem this is going to be, that we are a club in limbo, which is what I said on the programme last week, until the summer. And, and we may not be having champions... Well, we probably won't be having Champions League football. And that may well affect things. And I think this, this could severely affect not just the managerial appointment, but also the transfers in and out. And clearly, we are going to possibly either need to get some more players because we need to get some quality in and also because we may have to re replace some some amazing quality who might just bugger off because they don't fancy it anymore at which juncture i think it's a good time to kind of go through this little list that i that i wrote out of the who must stay who must go uh, variety so um starting from the who must go um well, it looks like Pappy's gone, hasn't he, Dan? He's, he's, he's gone out on loan. Well, apparently Werder Bremen has seen a football event, um, and, and it's something that none of us have seen. Um, yeah. Well, so pa I, I think, you know, even if he hasn't gone already, he should go. I think Falco absolutely has to go the sooner yeah. the better. I think it's pretty clear that Remy should go. Uh, I also think Pedro should go. And quite frankly, I think Rahman should go, because I just don't think he's good enough. And I think we need to get somebody better... Uh, much better, uh, you know, uh, understudy to Dave. I don't know. Uh, so, so that's my must-go list. Has anybody got any objections with those? No, I think I, I think I agree. I agree with I you. Yeah. Pedro's uh, too, too weak for the league. Pedro's uh, too lightweight. Hang on, one of one of you, one of you. Pedro's too lightweight for the league. 
Yeah, which is what we were saying last week. So you'd, you'd agree with all of that? Yeah. It's a bit more complicated, actually, and, and, I, and I kind of stopped myself from uh, this rumour uh, when we were speaking about things a minute ago. But I think these players may well go if rumours in the press are to be believed, and they would be Courtois, Matic, we know Ramirez is pretty much gone, Oscar, Costa and Hazard. So, uh, Dan Levine, what do you think of that little list? Well, with the last one out, turn off the lights, please. There's not many left after that, are there? Um, well, but you know what? I mean, if you believe what you were reading in the papers last week, this is, this is eminently possible, you know, and, and actually... Uh, OK, let me go through why it makes sense. Courtois, uh, we know he's going to go back to Spain sometime, and if Real Madrid uh, are able to, they'll have him like a shot. <coughs> Matic uh, is, is arguably mentally destroyed and can do with a break and then you start somewhere else. Uh, Ramirez uh, is gone, as I said already. We know he's gone already. Um, Oscar has been, you know, Juventus has been flirting with him for what seems like ever. Again, Costa might not like the idea of not playing in the Champions League. And, uh, you know, Hazard and Zidane are a match made in heaven. So, I mean, it, it might sound like madness, but there, there could be some truth to this rumour, Dan. Levine, that is. Dan, we've lost you. I'm going to go to Dan Silver. Hang on a minute. Dan Silver, what do you think of that? I, I think there's a lot of merit in what you say. Um, as we said last week, week before, none of these players got any loyalty. They don't want to fight. They don't want to get out. They want the glory of the Champions League. That's what it's all about. So I could see, I could see Courtois going. I could see Hazard going. There'll come a point where we might just say, listen, one or two out, that's it. You're staying tough. Get, get used to it. Or, or we just literally rebuild again because if you think we sell all those players you missed, that's got to be 200 million quid in the bank you can, you can get some pretty decent players that sort of money and rebuild the team I mean I, I tell you what sorry Dan go on so yeah because that's, 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 that's some seriously talented players serious, you know, they'll go they'll go they won't be missed because they haven't, they haven't really endeared themselves to the fans in the same way the previous generations have well, uh, you know, there's, there's no. Hang on a minute. There's no doubt in my mind that we will miss Courtois because he's a good player, and we'll definitely miss Costa and Hazard if they go because they are also oh, no. top players. No, I mean, I mean uh, in terms of they go. If they don't want to be there. If they don't want to be there, yeah, shut the door on the way out. It's always been. Yeah, yeah, it's always been my view as well. Jonathan, what, what do you think of that little list? Um, why, if, if they were under contract, why would they get rid of Courtois, Ed, for example? Why would, uh, presuming that he, you know, they... because Real Madrid might buy him, mate. That's why. But aren't Real Madrid going to buy De Gea? Well, they... well, they might not be able to. I think you know a lot. Okay, a lot is in the up in the air because, of course, we don't quite know what the ramifications of Real Madrid's transfer uh, buying ability is. Marco, yeah. But uh, it, it's possible, isn't it? Well, they, they wouldn't have made such a fuss with Courtois if they would have kept check if they didn't think Courtois was going to be the next great thing. It just so happens that he hasn't been performing particularly well um, in the last few games. But you wonder what would happen if the if the whole of the team came up and started performing better, whether he would come up with it or whether he's in fact yeah. just gone down to the, the level of the, of the team. And the same with, with, with Matic. As, as, I'm not convinced that Matic is about not wanting to play for the club. I think it's that he's just undergone some bizarre transformation, whether he, whether he got burnt out or... Uh, I don't think it's not. I don't think it's through lack of pride. The impression I get that uh, if, if, if Bruce can bring him back to the same level that he had, which there were there was evidence of in the game on on uh, Sunday, 
then uh, I don't think they'll be selling him either. Um, I, 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 I like the list you came up with first of all, but I'm, I, I don't really agree with this uh, this list from the. Um, don't get me wrong, Jonathan. I, I don't want any of them to go. I'm just no, saying. You think that it was a list from the press, weren't you? Which um. Well, that's the rumor, isn't it? I mean, Ramirez is obviously gone or going. But Ramirez, honest, Ramirez is understandable because of the of the Loftus Cheek setup, um, and the fact that he's hardly played at all this season. But uh, um, the others, I can't I can't see them um, decimating the team that way. It would mean you'd have to you'd have to spend an enormous amount of money on getting. Uh, uh, a completely new set of players in, which I, I don't think that the club would do personally. Yeah, you, you generate that by selling the players, though, because you generate two hundred million selling all those players. I know, but then, you, then, you, then you've got to you, you've got to somehow then you'll then be in that position of of the, uh, all the other clubs will be aware that you want yeah. to buy their players yeah, and they'll just put all the prices up. Yeah. I think personally, Matic might have been just mentally destroyed by Mourinho, and that's why he's probably maybe now just coming out the other side, and he's now beginning to get back to. Kind of what I was saying, yeah. really. Dan, Dan Levine, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Um, the, the other Great, problem, sorry. of course, with if you have a clear out like that, is it's not just simply the financial issues. You need to persuade other players that they want to come back in. Um, and, and where we are at the moment is like the 18th of May 2012. You've got a future that could involve it could involve Eden Hazard, or it could involve Marco Marin. And it depends. You know, it's a very fine line which way it could go. So we could spend. We could we could we could bring in 200 million, but but only be able to buy another 11 Marco Marriott's, that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very worrying, uh, and, I, and I have a suspicion it might not end up like 2012. I mean, do, do you think any of those, uh, I mean, forget Ramirez for a minute, but the five that I mentioned, do you think any of those might go in the summer, Dan? I think there's a good chance that Eden Hazard will go. I think that one's almost, almost guaranteed. Um, yeah. I'd be very surprised if he's not a Real Madrid player come September. Um, Matic obviously needs a lot of work with his psychological state. I don't, don't know what's going on there. Um, Oscar seems very, very likely to go as well, I think. Um, you think so? I mean, to be honest, Dan, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't be disappointed about Oscar going. I really wouldn't. I, I don't think he's really ever fulfilled the potential that, that he clearly has at Chelsea. You know, and I mean... I think I think sometimes you just have to say, you know what, you're never going to do it here, and and and, and doing you know doing one fantastic performance in five uh, is just not good enough for me, Dan. No, and, and uh, he has a very very sort of um, loyal bunch of fans who, who thinks who think that he's uh, you know he's, he's made out of pure gold. Um, I think that the problem with Oscar is he's a sort of match the day player. He looks really really good. Yeah sort of bunches of a few seconds, but then goes missing for another 85 minutes. Yeah. We need a bit more than that. Uh, He's no Frank Lampard, that's for sure. All oh, right, listen. Okay, there's another list here, which are the ones that I think should absolutely stay, uh, and that would be Begovic, Asby, Zuma, Terry, Branner, Cahill, Mikel, Fabregas, William, Kennedy, Traore, Loftus Cheek. Obviously, the, the the previous five that might go as well. Um, but I think you know it, it's really interesting, and, and the reason I, I, I say this is because. When I was thinking of this list, my first thought when I wrote it was, my God, there won't be any players left. I, either I hate them all and I want them to go, or, or they'll go because they think we're shit. But actually, I think the reality is very, very different from that. And what it tells me is that there's, we, we only need about four or five players, possibly, uh, to get a very, very good strong, and then add that to perhaps possibly more youth coming through. That's what Lampard, if you notice, Lampard said that. that he wanted, yeah, well, five. if you notice, Jonathan, I've, I've, I've Loftus-Cheek, Traore and Kennedy are in that for in that squad. In fact, there's a rumour that Traore's off uh, on loan. It was in the paper this evening. Really? Yeah. 
I mean, interesting. I, what I think about your list as well is that is the Mikel is in your list of, of people staying, and I think that uh, pre Gus, he, he, he would have been in your list of people going. Yeah, Mikel, Mikel is always in my squad because he can do a job and he knows Chelsea. And as I said earlier on about Branagh, you know, culling the entire representative of the Champions League's winning squad has, has had a detrimental effect on us. You know, we haven't got the leaders, we haven't got people who get what Chelsea is about before the fancy Dan's turned up. And I think letting go of players like Mikel and even Ramirez is a mistake because I think they add something to the squad, if not the first team. Can I just, just say at that moment also that, um, that uh, we didn't say how, how well JT played on, on Sunday, by the way. No, I second and third that. Dan, you're about to say something. I was going to say careful. Uh, Levine. I was going to say careful. You've got the, the fancy Dans in the room with you at the moment. I have got two fancy Dans in the first team squad of the Chelsea Fancast tonight and the steady eddies of... Uh, Jonathan Kidd, a.k.a. J.K., a.k.a. actor, reader, bellend. So there we go. Now, um, I think really I could just kind of like round this one up really by saying, you know, we must need somebody in the transfer window. I mean, for God's sake, we're so light in the striking department. Dan Levine, are we, are we going to sign anybody and are they, are they going to be any good? It seems to be a case of one man in, one man out. So, so with with Ramirez off to China, presumably that will free up some funds. But it doesn't look like there's going to be anything extra made available. The belief is the players that we have are good enough to do the job at hand. Now, there's a, a, one big problem there in that we definitely need a centre half. Um, but you know, a, it, it doesn't seem to be much sign of that happening. I mean, basically, sorry, Jonathan, I think it was you, wasn't it? I'll bring you in a sec. I, I just think it's an absolute shambles still, and it, and it really worries me. The other thing, actually, when you're saying this whole policy of one in, one out, Dan, that, that tells me that, you know, money seems to be an overriding concern, which means that the board are having too much, uh, uh, you know, control over the transfer and the playing policy. And quite frankly, the board are more culpable than anything else for the mess that we're in. And frankly, if they carry on with this, this attitude, then they're just going to compound the mistakes they've made. Jonathan, I know you're desperate. No, to it's, it's, just, it's, it's just adding to what you've just said. Isn't this because of the, the, uh, the youth policy that, um, uh, that they feel the f should be producing more players going into the first team? Isn't this why they're loath to actually purchase uh, uh, um Expensive players. Well, it, but, it, but, but, but as I said, before, I agree. Loftus, it, um, Abramovich's reaction to Loftus Cheek scoring in the Scunthorpe game revealed so much to me that he, it, it, despite the fact of Loftus Cheek not having a great game against Scunthorpe, the fact that he scored, you could see the glee with him thinking, well, perhaps, you know, a new era is upon us. And well, there's a very simple solution to that, Jonathan. Is number one, tell the manager who's temporary and fucking off anyway in the summer that he has to play 50% of the first team has to play that is a youth yes. player. And then secondly, don't fucking throw your toys out of the pram when it all goes tits up. Yeah, well... It's pretty simple, isn't it? Who's going to say... Anyway, sorry, who, who wants to speak? Dan Sills, I haven't heard from you for ages. What do you think? There's only callback to some of our loan players like Solanke or people like that on loan. Anyway, you can actually call back or not. Well, you can always call them back if you want yeah. to, but I don't really think there's the will yeah. to do that. Yeah. And the, the other point is, the whole window is a month. Why is everything like concentrated the last three or four days? I mean, you've, got a, you've got a whole month of January to do the deals. You know January is that month, so surely they'd be pre-planning these transfers. Why does it take a whole month and then on the, you know, Sky get their you know, 12 hours of glory on deadline day? It, it, it seems bizarre that everything's literally concentrated on the last day. Why are these deals not I mean, done January 2nd, 3rd and 4th? 
Dan Levine? Um, I think part of the issue is that an awful lot of football clubs are run by idiots. Um, and, and there's <laughs> no, shit, there's no succession planning going on at any level anywhere. And, and you know, what's the betting we don't get to the 31st of January, 1st of February, and all of a sudden we've got some new Gillabodgy type player who's coming in for two and a half million quid or something that we never wanted in the first place. Yeah. All right, chaps, I think we've done that one to death. Apart from my finding, final comment on this is that, you know, if, why, why didn't we pay four million for Charlie Austin? Yeah. Who you know, who may not have a long-term career at the club, but could do a job for the next six months. It sounds madness to me. Who wants to answer that one? Hands up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think Dan Sills went er uh, first. I, I think. I mean, look, he scored a goal on his, on his debut. He's, he's a quality striker. For four million quid, he's a short-termer. You know, I know. No, no brainer. of injuries. You know, the guy's been playing game in, game out. The players get injuries. Take, take a chance. It's four million. He's yeah. British. I believe he's a Chelsea fan. I could be mistaken. Get him in. He is, yeah. Oh, I know. What have you got to lose? I couldn't agree more. And on that on that depressing point, uh, I'm going to say we're going to go to part four and wrap up the show. So after the break, we will have our usual roundup of Chelsea supporters news. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Righty-ho, you lovely people. We are back in the final part of what has been an interesting interesting show. Uh, I'm going to read out a couple of the Mixler stuff, actually, while we're on here. Ben Price 2 says, uh, amazingly, Robert Fleck is available on a free transfer, definitely fitter than Falcao. Uh, he's about as fat as a house, I believe, Ben, but I think you're probably right. Gary says that Emanalo would definitely get it. Um, and Tony, the lovely Tony Glover, Tony, who, who may well have figured out that we are actually doing this via Skype. And, of course, the great news is that this means that Tony Glover can be on the show soon. I need to get I need to get in touch with you, Tony. But anyway, Tony says, can't get over how deluded some are about the youth. They are a revenue stream. We may get one or two, but stop kidding yourselves. We're squad building with them. Sadly, he may well be true. Cundy's getting an awful lot of love in here tonight, which I'm glad to see. Uh, he was absolutely winding up the uh, the Arsenal fans all, all evening yesterday. Um, if anybody, ca- uh, if I was you, after we've done our show at ten o'clock, Cundy's going to be on Talk Sport with Goldstein, and if he's as pumped up as he was yesterday, it will be essential listening because he will be absolutely flying. So, give yourself, g- give it a listen; it'll be worth it. Right, enough of that. Um, basically, uh, I'm Stan for Chidge, and of course, you're listening to Chelsea Fancast, and I've got these lovely people with me, and they are Dan Levine. Good evening. They are Dan Silver. And they are the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Now, Jonathan, uh, would, would you like to read this wonderful email that we've got? I would. Okay, go for it, my son. Hey, guys, love the show. Only listen to a handful of episodes. But I find you guys to be very honest and blunt, something I didn't completely expect. I assumed there'd be some Homerism towards the wonderful blues. It's refreshing nonetheless. I'm from the States. To start, I know it's called football everywhere, but the US, I feel, I feel as if the English look at us Americans in a negative light for the following reasons regarding football, soccer. Number one, we are so late to the EPL and soccer football world. Number two, we have no idea of the tradition or current mood of the supporters in the boroughs and towns of the clubs we support from over here. 
Both of those statements, in my eyes, are true. Half of us here don't even know why we support the club we do. I started watching the World Cup in 98-99. In the early 2000s, I started following Chelsea because I caught wind of a young defender named John Terry, who was drinking and partying while getting in fights at bars. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of guy. I have a friend who supports MCFC simply because he likes the fact that they attack, attack, attack. So I understand the ridicule. The coverage in the States over the last few years has jumped ups and bounds. I watch less and less NFL every year, which is an absolute juggernaut, and more and more soccer. It started with EPL, but now I can get televised matches from all major leagues over Europe. A gentleman on your show stated he really doesn't watch much soccer anymore unless Chelsea is playing. That's me. I don't watch much NFL anymore unless my team is playing. EPL gives me a hard-on, as he would say about cricket. That was also I me. I know, that's what he meant. I understand the pubs over there are club-friendly only. I go to a local bar here. It's an LFC bar, English pub-style place. The only issue with it is they show like five different matches on Saturday morning, which I might mention, it's outstanding drinking in a bar at 8 a.m. The problem is drinking in the morning, coming off drinking at night while watching your team with supporters from four other teams. Things get testy quickly. Some supporters are more annoying than others, e.g. Arsenal and Man U supporters. <laughs> As always, though. I dream of taking a vacation to London to see Stamford Bridge to experience a match day. The environment seems so electric every match. To wrap all this up, I constantly wonder how far off our culture is on the soccer front. I once asked Steve Nichol and Kate Burley on Twitter, is it different in England? Because in the States, in any sport, winning is winning. Why is it that Jose was criticised for winning the league the way he did? Huge lead in table, then shut up shop. You get style points for entertaining. Why must some teams win a certain style? And they basically said, yes, certain clubs have a certain way of playing and winning. I don't want to be English, especially since my father is from Motherwell, Scotland. I just find your country amazing and way of doing things to be extremely interesting. Relegation may be the most beautiful thing in all of sports, especially since I'm from Philadelphia, where the 76ers have tanked for years to better their roster and pick in draft. I, I thank you guys for the time. I would, in I would love nothing more than to hear the views of you guys on any of these topics. And I'm in no way looking for a mention or shout out, but a response via email, even to help me understand the culture of football in your country, to compare to how it's progressed to in mind. I'm excited to see Chelsea cross the midfield against Arsenal and how motivated and busy will Hazard be in his return. Blues for life. Sincerely, Scott Brandt, blue supporter from Philly, PA. Brilliant, brilliant email. Brilliant, brilliant email. Yes, Dazza, it was a very long email, but it was very, very good. And, and what I loved about that email most of all, apart from the fact that Jonathan read it so beautifully, um, is that, you know, it was, as Jonathan Sharp on Mixler, uh, you know, mentioned a minute ago, he's right. I mean, I, I, we, we, we all know a lot of the, the boys from the Yanks and the girls from the Yanks, and, and I'm privileged to know so many of them. I'm privileged to have been out there and, and watched a lot of, uh, you know, games with them on the telly or, or even in, in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Um, but this was from somebody who's relatively new, who has only just discovered Chelsea and, and, and is very, very new to it all. Um, but, but 
what, what I picked up on with that is that, you know, he, he's a bit confused by it all, but he clearly has got the most important thing of it, and that is the passion for it. And, and, and I think that if he's got that, then he can't go far wrong. Dan Silver, what do you think of that email? Yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic email. I mean, I'm, as someone who's been to see American sports events, they, they, they do have the passion. It's just a very, it's a very different passion because a lot of the American sports are franchised. You can suddenly find your team move from one side of the country to the other. Perhaps the affinity isn't as good as it is with Chelsea because Chelsea will stay where they are. They might move, you know, a mile down the road. But just... It doesn't matter if you've been a fan for five minutes or you know fifty years. It's just it's passion, it's enjoyment, it's the the yeah. buzz. You, it's very hard to articulate what it is to be a, a, a football fan. I was talking to my wife about the Champions League final, and I just could not articulate what it meant in words. Some 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 things you just can't say. You don't have the words for them. It's just something in your heart that burns and gives you that unbelievable passion, the highs, the lows, the emotion. It's, it's, it's inarticulate sometimes. I can't, I can't describe it. It's, it's one of those things we just totally lost for words. Just, it can make your weekend, it can spoil your weekend. Dan, I, I, can, I, can, I can almost see the tears streaming <laughs> down your face as you give this speech. It's like Martin Luther King, mate. It's wonderful. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's football. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for my dad to take me to Chelsea as a kid. I love football, Dan. I love football. I love football. Yeah. Do, do you? I work you're not coming. I, do. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I know I very cheekily said that I, I, I hate football and I love Chelsea. I mean, a lot of that, that point is true. But And I think Jonathan actually made this comment when we were talking about the Arsenal fans earlier on and, and the new breed of football fan that's ruining the game. Um, the reality is I absolutely love football. I grew up with football. I played football every weekend for uh, every year of my school days. And, 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 and I think a lot of us over here, certainly in England, are very lucky that we've had that experience. But as, as so many people are saying in Mixer at the moment are also saying, particularly the ones in the States, that, that they are equally passionate, equally knowledgeable. And in fact, anybody who's watched football in the States or tried to watch Premier, football, Premier League football in the States will know it's exactly Joe the Blue. It's that passion that wakes us up at 4.30am to watch a rainy night state. It's not easy supporting Chelsea when you're in the States. And the, and the length to which they go is, is quite uh, commendable. Uh, finally, what I would say to, to Scott is that um, you, you live in Philadelphia. Somebody uh, who follows us will know if there's a branch of Chelsea in America in Philadelphia. I'm sure there will be. Get in touch with them, and then you can find out where the, the local pub is that they, they gather in, and yeah. then you become a True Blue member, become a, CI, a Chelsea in America member. And then your life will be enriched, my friend. And Scott, so it's lovely to yeah. hear, lovely to hear from you. And keep in touch with yeah. us. And anything you ever want to know, just email me, and I'll I'll try and fill you in. Just, Dan Levine, have you got anything to add to that? Um, I think um, going back to it, first of all, great letter. Secondly, um, I think uh, there's something special about English football—the sort of the passion and the, the culture and the traditions that exist—and and it's quite unique in, in the world. And, and, and every club has its own different personality, and Chelsea's is. is by that measure, unique. And uh, one of the things about our personality of our club is that we're very open to people coming in as long as people are willing to come along and respect that and be a part of it. Um, and and uh, that's where I think Arsenal have lost it a little bit in that you know, you've got this new band who've taken over and have changed the personality. So, so people, like, good, people like Scott, is it, is it Scott his name? Yeah, yeah it is Scott. When he comes over, he'll be welcomed in, he'll have a one of our pubs and he'll have a great time, I hope. I think actually, Dan, you, you, you've nailed it totally there. You've kind of nailed what we were talking about at the beginning brilliantly. And, and that is that you're right. We are very welcoming as a club, but you have to get the culture and the culture is our culture. But whereas at Arsenal, the new breed have come in and they've, they've 
kind of ethnically cleansed the original Arsenal fans and invented their own culture, which absolutely stinks. My, my I've got my Arsenal mate. I absolutely would agree with that. He despairs of the of the kind of of, of supporter that sits now around him, who just doesn't understand what's going on. Demands an instant fix, and one, one is it's worrying you. As we said earlier, we just hope that doesn't happen when. Um, when uh, Stamford Bridge, when it becomes a 60,000. It's a bit of a Barcelona syndrome, isn't it? Everyone wants to be Barcelona and just to, to you know, win beautifully, win week in, week out. And that's, that's just not football. You know, f- football is, you know, you're very Barcelona, you've got, a, you've got a buddy, Carlisle United. It's just, it's your team. You've got, you've, got, you've got to get what it is to be your team. Forget about Barcelona, forget about Madrid, forget about everybody. It's your team. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah. And as Bob Uzere says on, on Mixler, it's tribal. And actually, Mark Barfoot, the lovely, lovely Mark Barfoot, has said, uh, of course, the local Chelsea in America group is Philly Blues, Scott. Yeah. So get hold of Philly Blues. They'll be on, uh, they'll be on uh, Twitter or social media, Facebook, that kind of thing. Uh, the one thing I would add to that, uh, Scott, because he said that, I mean, I, 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 I totally understand his zest for winning is everything and bollocks are ticky-tacky football. <laughs> And I think we would all agree with that. But one thing I would say is that particularly when you're a Chelsea supporter and you have been for a long time, you completely understand that you cannot win all the time. Hence the wonderful expression, win or lose, up the, up blues. the blues. Uh, cheers, or, or, win or lose, we're on yeah. the booze. Cheers, just for Scott. Um, if he goes to Twitter, it's at Philly Blues. At Philly yeah. Blues. Well done, Dan. Okay. All right, chaps. Home straight. Bit of pluggery for the uh, the wonderful CFC UK and Supporters Trust, and then we'll be a wee. Uh, but you, of course, can get CFC UK at home games from the CFC UK store opposite Fulham Broadway Tube and also at away games. And if you can't get it there, you can always get it digitally by dis- uh, subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow the Twitter account of at cfcukusa. And, of course, if anybody's interested in getting a, a proper hard copy, uh, they're all hardcore copies, CFC UK, but in particular you can get one from Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G underscore. And I believe Dan was uh, listening to the show earlier on. So Dan, Dan's a regular live Mixler listener. So... You can abuse him and troll him in here. Uh, but there you go. Um, what else can I plug? Oh, I know. I'm just going to say I did a, a very 11th hour uh, article for CFC UK this month, which I had to drink a bottle and a half of red wine before I tucked into it at about half 11. So I kind of slightly missed the 12 o'clock deadline, but I did get it out. And uh, it's a bit of a strange one from your Uncle Chidge this week, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's entitled uh, A Nightmare on Stamford Bridge. And it's all about a Guinness and kebab-induced nightmare that I had about Chelsea. I will leave it there. Enjoy it when it comes out before the Milton Keynes game. Right, supporters trust. Uh, don't forget, you lot out there, and this, this applies to Scott or anybody in the States, anywhere in the world. Join the supporters trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's £5 to become a voting member, or it's free for non-voting members. And you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can attend the meetings Come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And I can, I can exclusively reveal that there is a new special banner being produced at the moment for the Supporters Trust, which we were going to be we're going to have at home game. So that'll be cracking when that comes out. Not sure when it will be coming out, but I'll let you know. All righty, we're nearly done. Uh, we will be back. We will be back. We're back on the 1st of February next Monday with a live transfer. Dead- no, we won't. We won't even talk about that, bollocks. I, I guarantee it. 
Uh, what we will be doing is we'll be looking back at the game against Franchise FC, also known as Milton Keynes, in the wonderful, fantastic FA Cup. Uh, uh, so there we go. And I'll be joined by the uh, ubiquitous Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Uh, uh, yes. The lovely Dan Silver and the equally lovely Clayton Beerman. So there we go. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silves 73 and the lovely Dan Levine at Dan Levine. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Dan Levine, as always, it's been a wonderful, wonderful pleasure having you on the show. It's been a pleasure being here, and I hope I've, I've built, brought something from the old school back to the room by being in a you noisy have, pub have. with clanking glasses. You have, you have. I mean, I just I feel a bit jealous because I should be sitting here with a beer, and I'm not. But uh, can you promise me one thing, though, Dan? Can you promise me the next time we have you on the show that you'll be somewhere quiet? Yes, I promise there will be. I mean, I, I, I readily I might admit. even do it from the Emirates. Yeah, right. That would be great. The sound, the sound would be great there because, of course, there'll be nothing to interfere with it. Uh, it's, I, I do readily uh, accept that it was my fault because I just didn't get hold of you quickly enough to tell you we were changing the format. But uh, it'd be lovely to hear you in more effect than we have been able to tonight. So there we go. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Well done, Jason. Dan. Right. Dan Silva. Hello. It's lovely to have you on the yeah, show as always. always. A pleasure have you to be enjoyed on. it? Yeah, always a pleasure to be on. I know. I missed, I missed our pre-match pint or two. I know. Tonight. We'll have to make up for it next time we're in London. Uh, yeah, uh, next match for me is the Man United I'll game. I'll see you there. Uh, I look forward to that. That'll be a cracker, as it always is. Last, but by no means least, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, who has spent about a million pounds re- reinvesting in his sound studio so that he can be heard loud and clear tonight. Well done, Jonathan. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you on, my friend. Have you enjoyed Good it? Good fun. Thanks very much. And it works really yeah. well, Chidge. It does, doesn't it? I, I miss the beer, and I miss seeing you all face-to-face so I can give you... I'll give you kind of real hugs and real yeah, it's grief, when you give us the dirty look that's the problem i know i miss that but it's you know the show must go on and it's either doing it this way or there will be no show and that would be tragic i believe <laughs> so there you go anyway it's lovely to have my my lovely people in the uh, in the uh, skype room with me it's been very very lovely having so many of you in mixler uh, uh, so many names i recognize and i've been lucky enough to have a beer with I love you all, and I love your interactions. Keep it going. Right. Many thanks to my guests this week. Uh, And, of course, thank you all you lot for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.